0: One second after you die, you'll either experience the greatest celebration for all eternity or the greatest separation for all eternity. In that single moment when you breathe your last and enter eternity, everything will come into brilliant focus for the first time and we'll have this amazing clarity on what really mattered on this earth. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you'll be blown away by indescribable heaven but we'll also see clearly that many of the things that we thought were so important and worried so much about weren't worth one second of our precious time here on this earth. We'll also see that so many of the things that we thought were so valuable and so important were completely worthless and devoid of all meaning. I mean, all those wasted opportunities, all those wasted moments on this earth we will see them clearly for the first time. We'll see that we acted like this earth is our home and would be here forever. Folks, we're in this church-wide adventure we're calling heaven on earth and God is up to amazing things at Woodland Church and through Woodland Church. As God's been bringing some heaven to earth because you were made for eternity and if you're a Christ follower, you have an eternal home in heaven. But here's the amazing thing. God wants to bring some heaven into your home on this earth. We have an eternal home in heaven if you're a Christ follower. Totally secure and safe. But God wants to bring some of that heaven right into your home. God wants to bring some heaven right into your relationships here on this earth. Jesus said the way we should pray is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in this adventure, we've been praying for some heaven to come to our nation and our neighborhoods. We've been praying for some heaven to come into our church home and the homes in our church. We've been praying for some heaven to come into our community. For some heaven to come down and bring healing and restoration in families and relationships. Because we live in a very broken world that's filled with broken homes and broken hearts. And what this world needs more than anything right now is some heaven to come to earth, some heaven to invade our homes. So how do you build heavenly relationships when it feels like all hell is breaking loose in your home? I mean, sometimes relationships have to go through hell in order to find heaven. And when you're going through the fire and the heat is on in one of your closest relationships, you need to get a glimpse of heaven so you can clearly see how to build a relationship that is fireproof, to build a relationship that can take the heat and not go up in smoke, to build something that really lasts. So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter three, and here we get a glimpse of eternity, and it clearly shows us how to build heavenly relationships on earth that won't go up in smoke. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, and Just follow along with me. First Corinthians chapter three, beginning with verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work, If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. Dear God, I thank you for giving us this glimpse into eternity, which should wake us up and help us realize that our time on earth is so important. Lord, we waste so much of our opportunities, so I pray today that you just give us some clarity. Lord, I know that one second after we die we'll have total clarity, but I pray that you would give us some clarity right now so that we can do the things that are most important, so we can build relationships that bring some heaven into our homes. Lord, we need it desperately. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would bring some heaven right into our church that you'd bring some heaven right into the homes of everyone who are worshiping with us online right now, that you would bring some heaven right to Woodland Church at Tascacita. You'd bring some heaven right in here in the woodlands right now because I know that you wanna bring some restoration. Heaven is the total restoration place and we just pray that you would bring some restoration in relationships, bring restoration in bodies, in emotions, in broken hearts, Bring restoration, Lord, from heaven right into this place in the next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Now, this passage is talking about the judgment day. Now, I want you to know that there are two judgments mentioned in the Bible. The first judgment is what is called the great white throne judgment, and that's for everyone who rejects Christ on this earth. They will stand before the great white throne and Jesus will sit upon the throne. And the scripture tells us that everything that they've ever done will be shown for all to see. And so if you reject Christ on this earth, you go to the great white throne judgment, Christ sits on the throne and he judges and it will be like these huge screens up here that everything you've ever done will be shown. It will be the movie of your life and some of the things shown will be good and you'll be really excited about that but it will show everything. All the bad things, all your sinful actions, all your secret sins that no one else knew that you hid. All of your sinful motives will be laid bare. All of your sinful thoughts. When I think of that, that sounds like a horror film to me. I don't know about you. Because you see, everyone who rejects Christ on this earth is saying, I don't really need the son of God and his death on the cross to get to heaven. I'm okay, I don't need Christ's forgiveness. I I can make it on my own. And the Bible says their own lives will condemn them. It'll just be evident for all to see that there's no way they deserve to be in perfect heaven because none of us are perfect and we've all sinned. Now here's the good news. If you've received Christ's forgiveness, you get to skip the Great White Throne Judgment. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? So, no one's gonna see the whole movie of your life because Christ took your place. He was judged in your place so that you can skip that judgment. And so, you don't have to worry about the Great White Throne Judgment. Heaven is already secure. You have a home in heaven because of what Christ has done. Because of the ticket that he gave you that you could never earn or deserve that was free because you received his forgiveness because you admitted that you needed his forgiveness that you can never make it to perfect heaven because you weren't perfect. But there is another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's the word bima in the Greek. The bima seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the judgment For all Christ followers. It's a judgment for all believers, not to see whether or not you get into heaven, but to see what rewards that you get in heaven. And it's all based on what we do here on this earth. Because everything that you did on this earth, every moment of your time, every action, it's gonna be tested with fire. Everything you've ever done, every moment you're building something with your life, you're building something with your relationships. A lot of the things we build are pretty worthless. A lot of the things we build with our time aren't gonna matter five years from now, much less 500 years from now in eternity, but it's those things that we do that are eternal that are gonna last. And the Bible says all the things that we do on this earth will be tested with fire, and everything that's not eternal will just go up in smoke everything we've done that is eternal will last. And so if we study this passage, the judgment seat of Christ, it really gives us great insight. It gives us great clarity on what's most important and what we need to do to build heavenly relationships on earth. What we need to do in our lives to do something that's going to be eternal and can't go up in smoke. Now if you have a close relationship and you're going through the fire in that relationship right now, and the heat is on and it's really hard for you to see anything good coming out of it, just know that God uses the fire as a refiner's fire. It's a refiner's fire that's building your character and has the potential to take that relationship to a deeper level if you'll do some things that will be eternal. But if you do the things that are temporary, the relationship could go up in flames. Now, there are three fires that every relationship is sure to face. And these fires, of course, Satan wants to use them, the enemy wants to use them in a marriage relationship or a close relationship, a friendship, a family, a home, to try to burn down the home. But God wants to use those same fires to refine your relationship. And so that in the marriage relationship, all the impurities are burned away and all that's left is the gold, that which is eternal. All that's left is the gold which is is so reflective that you see Jesus in the marriage and it reflects Christ's love to the world. That's what God wants. First is the fire of culture. We live in a culture that's become a pressure cooker for families, in close relationships. Our me first culture says everything in a relationship should come easy. If it's a relationship that you should be in, everything should be easy, everything should be smooth sailing, almost magical. And you should always have these great feelings about the relationship, especially in the marriage relationship. You should always feel in love and everything should work out great. Nothing should be difficult and nothing could be further from the truth of that. Because close relationships take a lot of hard work and they're not based on feelings that come and go. They're not based on am I getting my needs met right now? I'm gonna do something that's good for me. I'm not getting my needs met so I'm out of here. No, it's based on commitment. Commitment is what fuels powerful, passionate feelings in the marriage relationship. But it has to be built on commitment. A deep commitment makes all the difference. So when the heat is on, you just get stronger. It just makes the relationship deeper and stronger and more refined in the refiner's fire. But then there's the fire of change that will come into every relationship. No relationship stands still. You're either growing closer together or you're drifting further apart. In every one of your closest relationships right now, they're either getting closer or drifting further apart. If you're not doing anything intentional to get closer together, they're definitely drifting further apart right now. And some of you have allowed a close relationship to drift and drift and drift and drift drift until it's almost non-existent. And God wants to bring it together. God wants change to bring us together. Here's the amazing thing, we're always changing. Constantly, and if you don't change and grow together in a marriage relationship, you're gonna grow apart. And so you have to intentionally constantly be changing and growing, changing and growing together, and it's hard work, and it's difficult, but God allows the fire of change to come into our lives, because we rarely change when we see the light, but we change when we feel the heat. And that fire of change, maybe it's losing a job, And maybe it's an economic change in your home. Whatever the change may be, God will allow change to come into our lives, this fire of change, so that we'll change and we'll turn to him. But then there's the fire of failure. Because we're not in perfect heaven yet, because we're all broken and everyone we relate to is broken, you're gonna fail in relationships. It's as simple as that. You know, in the marriage relationship, we have this desire to be the hero to our spouse, and we think that you know we're going to do everything perfect, and we're going to be this hero to our spouse, and and you know that's what I want. I want to be Chris's hero. I want to be this great man of God that meets all her deepest needs, but I fail because really only God can meet her deepest needs. Only God can meet my deepest needs, but we both wanna meet each other's deepest needs. We both wanna be the hero, and you're gonna fail many times in a marriage relationship. You'll fail many times in a close friendship. You'll fail many times as a dad or a mom. And what's amazing, God will use those failures to turn you to the Father because it's in that futility of trying to be this hero that only Christ can really be. It's in that failure that you realize how much you need him. It's in that failure in a marriage relationship where you can realize that you can't meet your spouse's deepest needs. Those needs only God can meet for joy and fulfillment and purpose and meaning. But when you realize that, after you fail many times, and then you turn to the father and he meets your deepest needs, it frees you up to meet your spouse's needs, the needs that you can meet, to be the man of God that you need to be, to be the woman of God that you need to be. But I found that it's this fire of failure that God uses in my life the most. Wanting to be a great dad, to do everything perfect, and then you fail. You know, and you realize you can't can't do it all right. You know, wanted to be this great husband and then I failed. It wanted to be this great friend, this perfect friend, and then I let someone down. It's in those failures that God uses the most to burn away all the fantasy and get me right down to reality of how much I truly need him each and every day, and how he's the only one that can give me strength. He's the only one that can really totally bring fulfillment in my life but it's the fire of failure, how about you? Is God using the fire of failure in some area of your life right now? I mean, he uses it in many ways in my life, and God has a great sense of humor when it comes to the fire of failure, let me tell you. Just a few weeks ago, when our family went to the Hill Country on vacation, I planned up that I was gonna grill this amazing dinner, and I'm not really good at the grill, especially one that I'm not very familiar with, but I, I thought I'm gonna just do this, it's gonna be amazing, and so I'm gonna grill steak, I'm gonna grill fish, I'm even gonna grill bacon-wrapped jalapenos. I found out that's not really smart. It's not, not, it's not great to do that, you know? You, you can start a grease fire if you do that. I just want you to know, and my kids videoed it because they have a lot of, a lot of blackmail video on me right now, so I might as well just get it out there, so. Just watch. It was a disaster. I love how they're just making fun of me, you know? It's like nobody's helping me. They're just making fun of me. Yeah, I I had these high hopes. Man, this is gonna be great, I was telling all day. This is gonna be great, you guys just relax. I'm taking care of this tonight, it's gonna be amazing. Well, we had a great dinner out, it was wonderful. (laughs) The fire of failure strikes again. They've got a lot of other videos uh, I want you to know that we'll never show, but God will use the fire of failure in your life over and over to get you to that place where you realize only God can meet your deepest needs and only God can help you build something that really passed the test of fire. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. These are the three eternal values that are the secret to building a heavenly home on earth. A home that has some heaven in it. You've gotta build your home with these three eternal values. First, build your home on faith. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ for a relationship to last, you've gotta build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation that is solid enough to build a family on. When the earthquakes of life hit, if you don't have a solid foundation in Christ, if he's not the center of your life and your family, the foundation will crumble. I don't care what you build your life on, your family on, your home on, it's gonna crumble without Christ as the foundation. The only way to turn a house into a home is to build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. When heiress Christina Onassis tragically died at 38 years of age, she was wealthy beyond imagination. But yet, she was bankrupt in relationships and most of her problems stem from a poverty of relationships because of the home that she grew up in. In fact, her stepsister, Henrietta Gelber said, she had houses all over the world, but she never really had a home. And you can build houses all over the world and never really have a home if you don't have the foundation of Jesus Christ. You need a power that is greater than you because human love runs out. You need the foundation of Christ because without Christ, eventually your foundation's going to crumble because you will build your home on something. What are you building it on right now? What are you building it on? Build it on Jesus Christ because when the heat is on, he'll hold you together. And when the flames come up, you'll find that that house is fireproof when Christ is first. In Matthew 6, it says, instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all these other things. Whenever my priorities get out of line, I go back to this promise. Jesus promised that if I will seek his kingdom first and pray for his kingdom to come in my life, his kingdom is wherever Christ rules and reigns. If I'll let him be first place in my life, then all the other priorities will fall into place. I can't get 50, 60, 70 priorities in line, but I can do one thing. I can put Christ first in the practical areas of my life. And then he begins to put everything else in order. Everything else starts falling into place when I put him first. You see, faith in Christ is so important in your family but your kids know what's really most important. It's not what you say, it's your actions that show if Christ is first or not in your life. You can say Christ is first in my family, but all that matters is, do your actions show that he's first and faith is first, or does everything else take precedent over worship? Does everything else take precedent over spending time with God? Does everything else, do you spend money on everything else, but you don't, Give back to God. Your kids will notice that because you can't fool kids as they grow up. They'll see whether or not Christ is really first in your life. And so let me give you just a real simple but practical way to put God first. And I put it in a acrostic of the word first. F stands for finances. We'll hit the hardest one first. You put God first in your finances. So we don't put God first in the areas that are most important to us and finances are important to us, then God's not really first place in our lives, so we gotta put him first. To really put God first and let him take care of the rest, I've gotta put him first in my finances to give back that first 10%, like scripture tells us, to tithe, to put him first in our finances so he can take care of the rest. Why do we do that? Because God commands us to. It's really all his anyway, but we do that because he commands us to, and then he promises us if we do that, then he'll meet our needs. You can't outgive God. And you, you put him first, and your kids see that. I really encourage you, those of you who are parents, to let your children see your are giving, to let them see you writing out that check or going online and giving and, and talk to them about why you give and why it's important. Your kids need to see that faith in Christ comes first before anyone else gets paid, God is given his portion first. And then I is interest. You know, if you don't have any interest that relate to spiritual things, if you don't have any interest to serve in the church or to make a difference in the lives of someone else, if you don't have any interest in meeting other people's needs, if you don't have any interest in the kingdom of God and what he's concerned about, that's people, then how's he gonna bless your interests? And then rest, that's really worship, to give God a day of rest. You know, it's what you're doing right now. You're taking an hour to say, God, I need to recalibrate my life and I'm gonna put you first the first day of the week. Come Saturday night, doesn't really matter. But you're gonna put God first so he can bless the rest of your week and you're gonna rest. You're not gonna do some of the things you normally do during the week because you're gonna take that day off and you're gonna focus on the Lord. You're gonna have recreation with your family. You're gonna rest. And then as the struggles. might surprise you, but God wants us to put him first when we're struggling. When we fail, to turn to him in times of trouble instead of turning away from him when things get tough. When we turn to him in trouble, we put God first. And then T stands for time. Put him first in your time. Give him the first 10 minutes of your morning before you go off into your day, spending time in his word. Just give him your schedule and go, God, you know I gotta get a lot of things done today, so I need your help. Help me get my priorities in line. I wanna put you first in my time. Help me do things today that have eternal value that really make a difference. Put God first. You don't get anything else I say today. Get these things down, and it will change everything in your home. Then the second thing is build your relationships on hope. You know, we build our families and relationships on the foundation of faith, but we have to use the building material of hope In Romans 5, 5, it says, This hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. This hope does not disappoint us. Now, the biblical word for hope has a very different meaning than the way we use hope in our modern English today. The way we use hope is sort of like it's a gamble, like I really want something to happen, but it's probably not gonna happen, or maybe it's 50-50. You know, I hope it rains today, or I hope it doesn't rain on this picnic, or I hope the Texans make the playoffs, but I know they're not, you know? But sure, I hope they do. I hope they either make the playoffs or they lose every game so they can have a really high draft choice. But uh, you know, we, I hope, they say, you know, that'd be great, but it's probably not gonna happen, but the biblical word for hope means a future certainty. That's why it says we have our hope in heaven. It's not here yet, but it's a certainty. And that's the way we build strong relationships with hope. Relationships have to be built on the foundation of faith, but you have to use the framework of hope. You have to be able to have hope to see what the relationship can be, not what it is right now, especially when you're going through pain and difficulty, when the heat is on, not to see what it is right now, but what it can be. And that hope only comes from God. The only way you walk through hell is to have the hope of God and the hope of God will see you through anything because he will give you a hope of what he can do in that relationship. In the middle of the fire, when the heat is on, you better have hope and that only comes from the God of hope. In 1 Corinthians 3.12 it says anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. So every day, every moment of your life, you're building. You're using building materials. Some are temporary, they're worthless, and some are eternal. And for your work to have eternal value, you've got to build with eternal values. Faith, hope, and love. See, in our marriage, Chris and I have this vision of hope for our marriage. No matter what we're going through right here at this moment, we have this vision of hope and we call it love at last sight. That the last time we see each other on this earth, we want to be more in love than we've ever been. There are some days where that hope, you know, we wonder, is that ever gonna happen? Is that, is that what's happening? Are we gonna stay the same? Are we gonna fall out of love? What's, what's happening? But that's our hope, and we hold on to that, and we grow more in love each and every day, more in love each and every day. That's our goal, so the last time we see each other on this earth, we have love at last sight. We're more in love than ever before. It's not love at first sight, which is usually just infatuation. It's love at last sight. And I know some of you are going, Carrie, you don't understand. I mean, we don't have love at last sight. We have don't let the door hit you on the way out last sight. It's not... And that's okay, because it's not about right now, it's about the hope of what God can do in a hopeless situation. It's about the hope of heaven coming into your relationship. And you've gotta have that hope in order to make it through the fire. We wrote a book called Love at Last Sight several years ago, and um, Chris and I, when we write books, we write 50%, 50%. You know, we, we work together, and it's a lot harder to work together, but everything we do together is so much better because we have different personalities and working together you know, with our different gifts and personalities can be difficult, but but that's what makes everything so much better when we work together on things. And so we worked together on this book. It was 50%, 50%, but all the parts that have changed your life, she wrote. I'll just admit that to you right now. All the best parts, she wrote. And so just the other day I got the book out and I started reading it again. It just reminded me of all the things that are so important, things that I was doing that were making a difference, things that I haven't done very well lately that I need to get back to doing. I was like, this is a really good book, you know? And, And I was reading the parts that Chris wrote, of course, and on the last page of Love at Last Sight, Chris wrote these words, and they just grabbed my heart. She said, our last sight on earth will intersect with our first sight of heaven. That's the moment I'm waiting for. The Apostle Paul describes it this way Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Did you catch that? We were created to be fully known. That explains why every person on the planet aches to be completely understood, accepted, and loved. It's what we were made for. Because we live in an imperfect and broken world, there will be times in our relationships when it's hard to see what God is up to. There are seasons when it's difficult to see that God is making something beautiful out of the brokenness. That's because here on earth, we see a poor reflection of what real love is. One day, however, we will see love clearly and fully, because we shall see face to face. When we finally look into the face of the one who created us and gave his life for us, we will see reflected in his eyes love at last sight. The highest goal we can have this side of heaven is to love like Christ and continue to do whatever it takes to live a life of love. If you do, your last sight on earth is sure to be your best and your first sight of heaven, there will be no words for no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's what God wants for us. And for some of you right now, you just can't see that because you're going through the fire. Some of you I'm talking to right now, you're in the middle of the fire and the flames and the pain cloud your view. You're just seeing but a poor reflection. But ask God to give you some hope and that ray of hope will break through the fog and the clouds and you'll begin to see what God can do He'll bring hope to a hopeless situation. You'll be able to see a little bit of what God can do and you you never know what God's gonna do in a relationship and you can't control what the other person does, but I guarantee you that that fire will refine you if you allow it to, to become more of who God wants you to be, to find more of his peace, more of his joy right in the middle of the pain. But then there's a third thing, build your life on love. You build your family on faith, you build all your relationships on hope, and you build your life on love. The three eternal building blocks, faith, hope, and love. But 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, but the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest of these love? Because love activates all the other eternal values. There's no hope without love because you have to love and care for someone to give them hope and to hold on to hope. There's no faith without love because you have to love someone enough, care enough to put faith into their life and to share your faith with them. So love activates all the other eternal values. That's why it's the greatest. In 1 Corinthians 13, one, it says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying here that love is much more important than words because if you don't love, people can't really understand your words. And maybe you wonder why you're not breaking through in a relationship and you're not really being able to connect and communicate. You're on different wavelengths. It's not getting through and there's division. It's because love is missing. Loving actions are missing because without love, people can't really understand what we're trying to say. Doesn't matter how eloquent you are, all that matters is do you love? And love is an action. Love is a commitment, it's not a feeling. It produces powerful feelings. But we see all the time with husbands and wives where maybe a husband has hurt his wife deeply and he asked God for forgiveness and he asked for her forgiveness and he's going down a great path. He's doing everything right but she's not responding and he says, I just don't get it, I've asked for forgiveness and it's just not working because she's waiting to see if your words are going to be meaningful or meaningless. Because loving actions are so much more important than words, she's waiting for the actions and that takes time to build trust to see if those words are real because words are meaningless without love and love is an action and a commitment that produces feelings. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3, or 13, 13 it says, so no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. He's saying you can pile up an impressive list of accomplishments and achievements and awards. You can build a billion dollar company. You can win every major championship and every major sport, but if you don't have love in your life, then you're nothing. Your life is empty. It's worthless. And one day God is going to do an audit on your life and he's not gonna check into your bank account. He's not gonna look at your achievements. He's not gonna ask everyone else what they think about you and look at what everyone else has said about you. No, he's going to look at your relationships and he's going to ask, did you love? Did you love me and did you love others? That's what it's gonna come down to. Did you love me? Did you have a relationship with me through my son, Jesus Christ, a strong relationship? And did you build your relationship strong? Were you a people builder? And that's what it'll come down to. I've been with a lot of people at the end of their life and I can tell you that's all it comes down to, relationships. At the end of life, the regrets that you'll have will be all about relationships, not about accomplishments. It's never about accomplishments. Love is more important than accomplishments. Love is more important than achievements. Love is more important than rewards and awards. Love is more important than knowledge. It's more important than words. Love is the eternal value that will last forever. Build your life on love. You know, many animals in God's kingdom have an amazing homing instinct. Now most of the best known examples are birds, like homing pigeons but I did some research this week and I found out that puffins, those strange birds that the cereal's named after, is pretty good cereal by the way, puffins have the best homing instincts. They did a test recently with a puffin. They took a puffin and and transported it in a closed container 3,400 miles from its home and it returned to its nest in 12 and a half days. When the female loggerhead sea turtle emerge from their shells, they imprint on the unique magnetic field signature of the beach on which they hatched, so that years later they navigate their way back as adults to lay eggs of their own. Salmon, you know salmon have such a strong homing instinct that they travel hundreds of miles upstream to make it back to their spawning stream. And probably the most amazing to me is the monarch butterfly, they travel up to 100 miles a day on their 3,000-mile migration south to Mexico every fall. That's getting ready to start. Now, the monarch will feed, fly, and reproduce throughout the U.S. and southern Canada for several generations. It's the fourth generation of monarch butterflies that will migrate south to Mexico. So the butterflies that travel back home those 3,000 miles in the fall have never been to their home. Explain that. You see, God is placed within the hearts and the minds of so many of his creation, a homing instinct. And it's no wonder, because we too have a homing instinct. There's something in our hearts that says we're not home yet. We're like the monarch butterfly. We're on a journey home, but we've never been to that home yet, but yet we know that's home. This isn't, we're just passing through. I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse one. We know that if the life we live here on earth is ever taken down like a tent, we still have a building from God. It's an eternal house in heaven that isn't made by human hands. In our present tent-like existence we sigh since we long to put on the house we will have in heaven. You know, we can bring some heaven into our homes and God's gonna do that in a miracle kind of way over the next few weeks, but our true home is in heaven. Don't ever forget your true home is in heaven and that's why everything on this earth that is great and wonderful, uh, there's always an ache to it. There's always some pain to it because we, we realize that those things don't last but there is a lasting place, heaven, and we can build with lasting values so that we can build something in our relationships that will last the test of time and for all eternity. But don't ever forget your real homes in heaven. In the Chronicles of Narnia series, in the last book on the last page, C.S. Lewis wraps it up by giving us a glimpse into that place that we know is there, but we've never been to. He gives us a glimpse into the home we've never been to yet, and the joy that we'll experience at our homecoming. He says, the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. We have our hope in heaven. No matter what you're going through right now, if you're a Christ follower, you have your hope in heaven. And one day, we will have a homecoming in heaven, We will have that homecoming. And I want us to celebrate that homecoming because I'm praying for God to give us just a little glimpse of heaven. And as he gives us a glimpse of heaven, that gives us more encouragement to pray for some heaven to come to earth. Right down into our homes. Right down to where we live. Into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. Let's stand together at Woodland Church and would you just sing this new song that that I believe is going to give you a glimpse into homecoming. And the reason why you feel like you never totally fit in, the reason why you feel like you never have total fulfillment is because you're not home yet. You're just not home yet. Now, some of you, it's like you've gone to on vacation to a, a hotel and, or maybe an Airbnb, and at that Airbnb, you go, I don't like the decor here. Yeah, I think we need to change it, and you bring in a contractor, and you pay thousands of dollars to change the decor, and, and then it's like the landscaping's not right, so you pay thousands of dollars to change the landscaping, and then you leave. That's really dumb, but that's what some of you are doing here on this earth. You think this is your home, and so you're, you're building something that you think is going to last forever. Forever. And you'll never be satisfied because your eternal home is in heaven. Start building something that's gonna last. Start building something that's gonna last. As I said, you can build homes all over the world and not build anything with your one and only life that's gonna last. But we have a homecoming. We have a homecoming one day and we're moving toward that and we're moving toward that and we're moving toward that each and every day. And that should give us the encouragement and the strength from God to build something that's gonna last, because we're headed home. Let's sing. Would you bow your heads? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the homecoming that's going to happen one day. But Lord, I know that right now we're not in heaven yet, and we have so many broken things in our lives and in our relationships. So I pray, Lord God, that you would just bring some heaven into our homes, that you'd bring the healing of heaven into families. You'd bring the restoration of heaven. You'd bring the hope of heaven as only you can. Lord, we pray for miracles this week in relationships. We pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to broken hearts and broken emotions and broken lives and broken bodies as only you can. Bring some heaven into our neighborhoods. Bring some heaven into our cities, Lord. Bring some heaven into our nation. Bring some heaven down into this world, Lord, how we need that. And I pray, Lord, for those who don't know for sure that they'll be at that homecoming. They don't know for sure, Lord, that they won't be at the great white throne judgment, that they would just get it settled right now, and they would receive you and your free gift of forgiveness. They would admit that they need you to save them, and they would pray this prayer right now in this moment. This would be their time to come home, to come home to you, Lord. Maybe they've wandered so far away they think that they could never come home, but that's not the case, Lord. Doesn't matter how far we wander. I I know no matter how far we wander away, we can never go so far as to be beyond the reach of your amazing love. So I pray right now in this moment, they would say this prayer silently to you, Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, I need you. I believe that you are Lord, and I want you to be my Lord. I ask you to save me and forgive me of all my sins. I accept your free gift of forgiveness, and thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I thank you that you rose again, and I just place the little bit of faith I have, Lord, in you and I accept your free gift of salvation in heaven one day. I don't understand it completely, but as best I know how, I ask you to save me and come into my life and help me grow to be who you've called me to be. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. If you prayed to receive Christ, he's in your life, he'll never leave you. We wanna know about that. And you can just, if you're worshiping online, just click. I'm raising my hand to receive Christ and we'll help you with that decision. If you're here at the Woodlands campus or one of our campuses, just go out and tell somebody, one of our pastors, one of our greeters. Let them know we wanna help you and give you information on how you can grow in your faith and connect with us. We have our membership class today at one o'clock. And we feed you, we have child care. it's from one to three. And that's how you join Woodlands Church. Take that step. It's so important. The Christian life is not just a matter of believing, but also of belonging. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God, and you see, we worship through our songs, we worship through our teaching, we worship through our giving. Giving's part of worship. You know that's why it's great to give to charity, but that's not tithing. That's not spiritual giving because you do that at worship. You give in worship. That's. That's what it's all about. So our ushers gonna come right now to take our offering. You can give in many different ways. You can give. If you're worshiping right now with us at home, go to wc.org give and get set up to give. Or you can take out your smartphone right here, right now, and text the word wc one word, to 77977. Or you can mail in your gift. You can give stocks, assets. It doesn't matter as long as you give. Put God first. God's doing amazing things in the middle of a pandemic. God's doing amazing things in the middle of chaos in our world today. God is doing amazing things because God is still in control. And when our hearts align with the heart of Jesus to preach the gospel of hope to this hurting world, to raise up the poor and powerless, and to raise up the next generation to change the world, God blesses that. And that's what we're doing. There are over 100 ministries and missions. And I praise God for you. And let's give because we love God and we love what he's doing through the ministries of our church. And I want you to know, Woodland Church, I really sense a move of God in a powerful way. God is moving at Woodland Church. There's so many amazing things that are happening that only be explained by God. Miracles in lives. We're stretching and stepping out in faith more than ever. And God keeps working and changing lives. And I want us to stand right now because if there's an area of your life right now that you feel has died, maybe your hope has died in some area or a relationship, maybe you feel like a dream has died. If there's some area of your life that you feel like can't be resurrected, I want you to sing this song. Even if you can't see it right now, Sing this song because God can raise dead bones back to life and God is doing resurrection at Woodland Church. He's resurrecting hopes and dreams and faith and, and this week I want you to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes wide because God's got something for you this week and if you'll open your eyes, it could be that he wants you to be Jesus to somebody. He's gonna open up an opportunity for you to share your faith or to invite someone to church or, or just to be the love of Christ to someone who needs you as we're doing all these Acts of kindness and and all the ministry through our life groups. I hope you're in a life group, but it's amazing what God's doing through this heaven on earth adventure. And as we conclude it, in October, we're gonna have a serve weekend where we're gonna feed 80,000 meals. We're gonna break early from worship service. And we want what happens inside this building to change what's going on outside the building. And we're gonna do all these amazing acts of service. We wanna touch hundreds of thousands of people on that weekend with the love of Jesus Christ. And we've got so many things planned you'll be hearing about to make a difference. But God says, you don't have to wait. Just join one of the ministries or this week, open your eyes, open your eyes to see what God has for you. Because when you begin to meet the needs of someone else, God meets your needs, get ready. Because I can hear those dry bones rattling and there's the rattling noise of hope that's happening at Woodland Church because this is a house of hope that leads people to the house of heaven. And you bring that hope wherever you go this week, and you open your eyes wide, and you listen for the rattling noise of hope from Jesus Christ that's rising up in your heart and in your life. He's bringing hope. He's raising up the things that are dead. He's bringing resurrection to your dreams that have died. He's bringing resurrection to your hopes that have died. He's going to bring resurrection in your heart this week. Get ready. Receive it. Let's sing to the Lord. I can hear the rattling noise of hope. Hey church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shuck podcast. By listening we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.